This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome into another edition of Buckeye Talk, Cleveland.com's Ohio State podcast. This is Bill Landis, one-third of our, of our Ohio State coverage team at Cleveland.com slash OSU. Uh, this is our podcast, Buckeye Talk, which you can find on Cleveland.com slash OSU. You can also find it on iTunes. Uh, if you're just discovering this for the first time, I, I hope that you would subscribe. Um, we've done mostly football shows now, and certainly we'll keep doing those with Ohio State football in the college football playoff against Clemson on December 31st. Um, but basketball season is heating up as well, and Ohio State basketball just suffered a disastrous, might be the best way to call it, best thing to call it. Um, throw any adjective you want on onto losing Tuesday night to Florida Atlantic, 79-77 in overtime. Uh, I think probably unquestionably the worst loss in Fatimata is now 12-plus seasons on Ohio State's bench. Ohio State blew an 11-point lead in the second half, uh, largely looked like the worst team out of the two playing against the team that was ranked number 240 in the country in the Ken Palm advanced stat ratings and was 2-5 and five coming into the game and was given a 3% chance to, to win by the, the analytics and advanced stat numbers. Uh, just a game that Ohio State could not lose and it lost or should not lose and it lost um and we saw last year Ohio State lost to Louisiana Tech and Texas Arlington did not make the NCAA tournament and I think you could point to those two losses as reasons why um if you're not going to get a a a signature monumental win which is really what Ohio State did last year outside of beating Kentucky in New York City um but that was really the only big win it had if you're simply just going to win all the games you're supposed to win, then you can't lose a game like losing to Florida Atlantic on, on Tuesday night. Um, so I brought up a lot of questions, I think, about what's real for this team, how much stock you put into how it played just last week, a week ago at Virginia, then number six in the country where they lost by two points and played really well and looked like the better team for, for stretches of that game. How much of that was real and, and how much of what happened on Tuesday night is more of a realistic indication of, of what this team actually is um, I, and I think those are fair questions. Um, so I wanted to take some basketball questions from from fans who are obviously up in arms, and rightfully so, after losing a game like that to Florida Atlantic. Um, so I took some questions on Twitter, at BillLandis25. Thank you to those of you who sent questions in. There were a lot of them, uh, more more so than I thought. And I thought this question um, was funny, and it, like, it summed up really what this podcast is perfectly. It's from uh, the... Andre Dawson 3000 is the name, which is an awesome name. I just noticed that. At, uh, at Max underscore the power on Twitter just sent me a question that said, like seriously, WTF. Yeah, WTF. How did that happen? I can't curse on here. I think I might lose my job if I curse on here, especially if I drop an F-bomb. Um, but that's that's the perfect question. 
I, I don't know how Ohio State lost to Florida Atlantic because even when you look at the stats, it doesn't look like a game where Ohio State should have lost. Um, they didn't shoot it great, and they started 1 of 11, but they didn't turn it over 20 times like they did against Virginia. Um, they made free throws, which is something they haven't done all year. It was just, I mean, lack of focus, a couple couple key lapses in the game, and you lose by two points to a bad team in overtime. And it's really difficult to sort of put your finger on, but it, but it led to a lot of questions about where the program is. Um, so I wanted to address some of those because I think they're interesting. Um, so let's get to some of them. Uh, first question from Mark, whose Twitter handle is at G-O-V-O-L-X. I get golf, golf, go vol X. Um, he said, he had a few questions, but I wanted to hit this one first. And I apologize if you hear the leaf blower in the background. It's fall. I guess it's December. Uh, Mark asked, what does a team do when it has no point guard? When it's lone senior fumbles the ball out of bounds with 20 seconds left to go in a tie game. When it's best player is a 6'4 post who probably should be playing football. <laughs> so that's a lot. Um, so I'll address the no point guard thing. Um, Jaquan Lyles, Ohio State starting point guard. C.J. Jackson is the backup. Those are the only two point guards on the team. So Jaquan Lyle is going to continue to be Ohio State's point guard, even if Thad Mono wanted to make a change. He is unable to based on the makeup of this roster. Um, you can probably make the argument they're short a ball handler. You probably want to carry three. They have really two. Um, and really only other, like outside of the walk-on guys who are scholarship players for this season, the only other guard they have is Cam Williams, who's not really a good ball handler and is never going to be a point guard. He's a two-guard all the way. So they have two point guards on the roster. It's Lyle and it's C.J. Jackson, the junior college transfer. Both of those guys have had good spurts. Both of those guys have had bad spurts. And Jaquan Lyle is, I think, increasingly frustrating to fans. He is not the reason, and at least in my estimation, why Ohio State lost to Florida Atlantic. He had uh, 10 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, 3 turnovers, one of which was the baseball pass in overtime with one second left where he was just trying to find someone near the rim to, to get a bucket to tie the game, and the ball just never got there. Um, so I don't really credit him with that kind of turnover. I think that's kind of a lame turnover. Uh, I thought he played fine. He wasn't great. He didn't take over the game, and it looked like maybe he would have been able to. Um, he didn't play great on-ball defense, um, and Ohio State as a team really didn't do that. Um, and I think there's questions about Lyle's defensive ability overall. But he's the point guard. So if you think he's not a point guard, that's fine. But but he's going to be the guy running the show the rest of the way. Um, he flirted with a triple-double against Florida Atlantic. He flirted with a triple-double earlier this year. Um, he had really terrible games to start the season where he got benched. And that is life with Jaquan Lyle. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to click for him mentally to the point where he is a day-in, day-out star. I think he is capable of being a star from a skill standpoint. Um, I think I got way ahead of myself. And I don't think I anointed him the next D'Angelo Russell, but maybe people think I did with what I wrote, so I apologize for that because that was wrong. Um, he was the guy who took Russell's spot in the 2015 recruiting class when D'Angelo Russell declared for the NBA draft after one year and became the number two pick in the NBA draft. And Russell was a pro from the second he stepped on campus. Thad Mata has told the story before about seeing Russell in a scrimmage against West Virginia, and he knew in that moment before the season even started that Russell was a one-and-done player. Um, Lyle is not that. I never thought Lyle was one and done. I thought it was possible he was two and done. He looks like he's not even going to be three and done. Um, but I think he can develop into a special player. If you look at him and you don't see talent, I don't know what you're watching. If you look at him and you're frustrated by his lack of mental focus, I completely 100% get that. Because he's some, he's a very puzzling player. And um, I can see why he would be uh, perplexing 
I think, to Ohio State basketball fans. But he's your guy, and I think um, if, if it clicks, and it's been an ongoing struggle for Thad Mott and the coaching staff to get inside that kid's head and, and get him going and where he needs to be on a nightly basis, but he's the point guard. So um, if you don't think Ohio State has a point guard, they do, which is Daquan Lyle, and that's the guy they're going to roll with. Um, the other part of Mark's question was the senior fumbling the ball out of bounds with 20 seconds ago. Uh, it was Mark Loving, and we could probably do a 30-minute podcast on Mark Loving, um, Ohio State's only senior uh, Lyle threw him a pass. It hit Loving in the hands. It hit Loving in the chest. It then went into the hands of Florida Atlantic's Nick Rutherford, who went down the other end and scored the game-winning basket in overtime. It was a tie game when that fumble happened. And uh, seniors can't do that. They just can't do it. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a more polarizing player in Ohio State than, than Mark Loving. Um, maybe some guys in that Amir Williams, Shannon Scott, Sam Thompson recruiting class. But Loving is a senior who I, I think when you've seen him at his best is a guy who can knock down threes, is a guy who can affect things a little bit defensively with his length. Um, it can be a decent scorer of the basketball, but like everyone on this team has mental lapses, and for a senior to have mental lapses, in my opinion, is pretty inexcusable. Um, but Ohio State's redshirting Derek Funderburk. Um, they have Andre Wesson, who's a freshman, and they are they're not a team that has a lot of bodies to even replace Mark Loving with if they wanted to. Um, so I suspect Loving will continue to play. I don't even know if Thad Mata will would put Loving on the bench and bring him off in that capacity. Um, and maybe that's the wrong way to approach it, but that's just my, my prediction, I guess, for Loving is they're going to put him out there, he's going to play, and he's going to be frustrating some nights, and he's going to be very good some nights. And that's sort of life with Ohio State's lone senior. Um, let's move on to some other questions. Let's see. Ralph Mertz at VM Ralph. VM underscore Ralph asks if Thad Mata is recruiting anyone that can shoot the three ball. Uh, yeah, I think so. Caleb Wesson is a four-star center from Westerville South um, who can stretch the floor a little bit. And then Braxton Beverly is a three-star point guard from Hargrave Military Academy, originally from uh, Hazard, Kentucky, who is a shooter, has a quick trigger, seems to be very confident in his shot, seems like a little bit of an exciting player, although he is uh, undersized. But I think they have two guys coming in who they think are, are more guys who can be floor spacers. And I think they recruited some of those in, in last year's recruiting class, too. Andre Wesson can shoot. Um, Micah Potter is a center who can shoot. C.J. Jackson um, hit 100 threes in junior college last year. His shot looks a little weird to me. It's been a little off this season. But I, I think these are guys who they think are going to be capable shooters. And you add them to a mix with Cam Williams, um, Lyle, who can be on sometimes, Kata bates the up, who I think is a pretty good shooter, and Loving, when he's on, can be a good shooter too. These are all guys who are cap- definitely capable of getting hot behind the line, and Cam Williams is the closest thing probably they have to a sharpshooter. Um, but yes, he is recruiting some three-point shooters. Um, I don't think a lack of three-point shooters is what's plaguing this team right now, although Ohio State did shoot 4 of 20 from three against Florida Atlantic. Um, it's been much more mental, in my opinion than physical, uh, especially when it comes to uh, three-point shooting. Um, another question from Mark, and I, I guess I should have read this in, in order. <sighs> Mark's question was, where are the dudes? Where are the difference makers? Where are the dogs with the W, D-A-W-G-S, a la Lenzel Smith, Evan Raffinell, David Lady, Aaron Kraft? Um, besides Jason Tate, Mark says he thinks the team is so soft. Um, I think it's it's a fine line to toe calling guys soft, but I I think I see where you're coming from, Mark. Um, And I would agree, if this is what you mean, that mental toughness seems to be something that's lacking in terms of something bad happens and 
Ohio State folds up a little bit. And it happened against Florida Atlantic. They were up 11. Guy hits a crazy shot, banks into three, cut the lead to five. And you would have thought in that moment that Ohio State lost the game. And it's weird because it, like, it fluctuates because I thought they were very tough against Virginia, who plays stingy defense, and that building was so loud I, could, I couldn't hear myself think. Uh, but to have mental lapses early in a game against Fairleigh Dickinson and Florida Atlantic suggests that, that the mental acuity of this team is not where it needs to be. And that reflects on everybody. It's not just the players. Um, the coaching staff as well, it reflects on them poorly, I think. And I asked that model on Tuesday if they need to do some reevaluation of how they're preparing the team for games, um, if, if they think they're in the right frame of mind coming into games, regardless of who they're playing, because you can't be in a situation where you're constantly playing up and down to your competition. That's no way to live in college basketball. You're going to lose a lot of games. You're not supposed to lose doing that. And that's what happened to Ohio State on Tuesday night. Um, so I think I agree with you, Mark, in, in, in the sense that they, they need more guys who are just going to kind of bring it. And it's kind of a lame, generic thing to say. But but other than Jay Sean Tate, who is a 6-4-4 post and, and will always be somewhat limited by that, but I think is a very good player. And if he was four inches taller, might be an NBA caliber player. Um, he is the leader and people need to follow his lead. And I think it's been a struggle for him. He's a junior now. It's been a struggle for him in three years to kind of get guys to match his level. Um, he's a guy who always works his butt off. He tries really hard. Um, even when he's not playing well, he's still hustling. Um, and I think there's, there's not enough of that. And, and I think that's, that's a fair critique of the team. Um, I think it's on guys like loving who's a senior. It's on guys like Jaquan Lyle to flip that switch a little bit and follow Jay Sean Tate's lead. And if they don't, and they are who they are and they're incapable of changing, then, then this is going to happen. They're going to be flat some nights and, and, Maybe it's going to lead to more bad losses. If that's the case, then this is going to be a bad season, and this is a season where you start asking questions about the coaching staff, um, which is what a lot of the questions were about that I received. Um, so I guess we'll get into that a little more. Uh, let's see. Question. Oh, I guess from Woodrow Anderson first, that Sticker Woods on Twitter. He says, was I surprised by how the team has done this far, and do I think the future is getting brighter? Um, I am surprised because I wrote after the Virginia game that I thought that that was a stepping stone towards something something better than last year. To, I, I was pretty convinced that this was an NCAA tournament team after that game because they played so well on the road in the tough environment and frankly blew the game. And that they blew the game and, and didn't get blown out I thought was a, was a great sign for them. And people don't like moral victories. And maybe that was a mistake to put that in a, in a headline and say moral victory. But I thought it was a positive. If a loss can be positive. Um, that Ohio State didn't get destroyed by Virginia at Virginia because last year they got destroyed by plenty of teams on the road. They haven't beaten a ranked team on the road in two years, over two years. Um, and that they held up that well against Virginia I thought was a great sign and and, and something that told me that Ohio State was going to be better and, and maybe much better than it was last year and then this happened. So, yeah, I was, I was pretty shocked by that. Um, do I think the future is getting brighter? Um, tough to say. It's really tough to say. Um, you have a team that's largely going to be back next year, um, you know, barring transfers, which, which are always a possibility, which you saw last year. Mark Loving's the only senior. Everyone else is scheduled to be back. You bring in Caleb Wesson, who's a player who I really like. Um, Braxton Beverly, who I think is a bit of a wild card. No one's quite sure how, how good he's going to be. Um, people are upset and think he's a, a below the, the caliber of player Ohio State should be going after. And I think people get caught up in recruiting stars too much. Um, don't forget Nigel Hayes, whoever one wishes was in Ohio State, was a three-star prospect and ranked significantly lower than Mark Loving um, in the recruiting rankings. 
So it's possible Braxton Beverly is good, even though the recruiting rankings seem a little low. Um, it's all about the guys who are currently on the team, in my opinion. If they develop, which a development is, I mean, again, we can have another podcast about that. Um, Jay Sean Tate has gotten better, I think. Jaquan Lyle needs to show that he's improved. Uh, Kata Bates-Diop needs to take the next step. Cam Williams needs to take the next step. And if you have those guys uh, as seniors, Lyle as a junior next year, who who are vastly improved players, then, yeah, I think the future is bright because the 2018 recruiting class is, is stacking up to be pretty good right now. You have three players all from Ohio who are ranked in the top five in the state. Um, you got two wings in Justin Aarons and Darius Baisley. Baisley might be a top 40 national prospect by the time he's ready to come to college. Um, you have Dane Goodwin, who's a who's a guard uh, from Upper Arlington, who's been committed since he was a freshman, who I think is going to be a good player. So if you can get the guys who are currently on the team to buy in more and progress and make the kind of development they need for this team to be better, and then you have that sort of coming down the pipe, uh, recruiting wise, I think you can you can say the future is bright, but I, in my mind, the future is all contingent on how this season ends, um, and whether or not what happened against Florida Atlantic was a fluke, just a bad misstep, a bad loss, and nothing more, or if that was indicative of this team has major problems that aren't going to be fixed, um, and you're going to see more losses than than just the one against Florida Atlantic and Ohio State's not going to get back to the NCAA tournament, so. Woodrow, um, I appreciate the question. Um, I think the future can can be bright. If I hope that's not a cop out, but I think it can be, and it all all depends on on how the season progresses and really what Ohio State decides to do after this game. If they lay down and and mope about it, or if they come out and realize and, and have a sense of urgency about things and, and start playing some better basketball. Um, let's see another question from Paul. At Jaeger3 on Twitter, he says, If the Florida Atlantic game didn't put Mata on the hot seat, what event this season would? Missing the NCAA tournament? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't think you can have another season where you don't make the tournament. Ohio State, and we say this a lot, people get mad. Ohio State's not Duke. Ohio State's not Kentucky. But Ohio State's also not a program that should be going to the NIT in back-to-back years. Ohio State should be in contention for the Big Ten more often than it's not and in the NCAA tournament. I think expecting Ohio State to be in the NCAA tournament every year is not a big ask. I think that's like the base level of, of what you should expect from the program. Now, they didn't make it last year. They went to the NIT they, for the second time under Mata. It was the third time in his career at Ohio State that Ohio State didn't make the tournament. Um, one of those years, they weren't eligible, so give them a pass on that one. So really, two times they were eligible for the tournament and didn't make it. Um, so that's the baseline, I think. And if Ohio State doesn't get there this year, Maybe that puts Mata on the hot seat. I don't think that means Mata is going to get fired because um, I don't think Mata's on the hot seat yet. Um, Gene Smith has been very supportive of Thad Mata. Thad Mata's done a lot for the program. Um, people don't like that Gene Smith's been supportive of Thad Mata, but I think it's deserving. Um, you all know where Ohio State's basketball program was before Thad Mata got here, where he took it to, and now he's being held to the standard that he set. Um, and you can hold him to that standard. That's fair. Um, but, and we've written this, and it's probably frustrating to hear because we're still going to say it. Thad Mata gets his chance to see his way out of it. And this is the season, I think. This is the season of transition one way or the other. Either the program is heading in the right direction and Ohio State's going to get back to the NCAA tournament, or it's not. And I think you do a lot of evaluation off this season. I don't know. I, I don't think this is the season that would end the Thad Mata losing his job um, unless Thad Mata decides himself that he's done, which I don't think will happen either. I think he's still very much into coaching. I think he likes this team. I think he was shocked by that loss. He didn't seem 
super concerned about it, which might sound bad, but I think could also be a good sign that it was just, you know, they came out flat and they lost to a bad team. Doesn't happen a lot in college basketball, but it happened to Ohio State yesterday or on Tuesday night, and it, and it happened to Ohio State a couple times last year. But I don't think Milo's in the hot seat now, and I. But it's possible not making the NCAA tournament will put him there. So I, I, I buy that, Mar- uh, Paul. And uh, thank you for the question. Um, and I guess a similar question: How many more mediocre seasons can Mata have before he's canned? That question was from Josh. Um, his Twitter handle is at Ohio underscore statement. Thanks, Josh, for the question. Um, I would like to know what Ohio State fans, I guess, define as a mediocre season. Certainly last year was. Anyone would define that as a mediocre season. You don't make the tournament. You don't contend for the Big Ten. You go to the NIT and lose in the second round. Um, so that's a that's a mediocre season. And I, I looked up some numbers that were, frankly, kind of surprising to me. Um, so since the 2011-12 season, when Ohio State made the Final Four, uh, they went 31-8 and that year. And then the record has been worse every year since. 31-8. and 29 and 8, 25 and 10, 24 and 11, 21 and 14, and the 21 and 14 last year was was the first time that Thad Mata's team, team teams at Ohio State anyway, had not won at least 20 regular season games. Sorry, I needed a drink of water. Um, so 21 and 14 is mediocre. Is 24 and 11 mediocre? Is 25 and 10 mediocre? Is simply making the NCAA tournament no longer enough for Ohio State fans. Um, I can't define what mediocre is for you. Um, I would define mediocre certainly as making the NIT and losing in the second round. Um, I think as long as Ohio State's in the tournament and every now and then is contending for the for something better than that, um, then I don't know if you can label that as mediocre. But if this is another year where Ohio State does not make the NCAA tournament, that's a mediocre season. That would be back-to-back mediocre seasons. That would be back-to-back seasons of Ohio State not meeting the expectations that the program should have. Um, And I think if that were to happen, it would be because the team has not developed the way it was supposed to develop, which would be a couple seasons in a row of that not happening. Um, So then those are all things that lead to you asking tough questions in the offseason. And and again, I don't think that Thad Mata is going to get fired in the middle of this season. It's just not going to happen. he he's been around so long, and it's kind of like a broken record. He's done so much. It's he's not going to get fired in the middle of the season, and maybe that's frustrating to people. But um, certainly, he'll be evaluated at the end of the year. Um, and I would be surprised if he's not the coach next year. I think he's, I think he has things trending in a way he wants them to trend. And I don't mean to sound like a homer because I'm not. I don't care whether or not Ohio State wins or loses. I didn't go to Ohio State. I have no stake whatsoever in Ohio State winning or losing. Strictly from an evaluation standpoint, from last year to this year, I think the team is better. I think the players have gotten a little better, even though it's hard to see that after losing to Florida Atlantic. Um, I look at a guy like Trevor Thompson, who seems to be vastly improved from last year, vastly improved. He's been very good this year, coming off the bench in a a new role and averaging close to a double-double, was excellent against Florida Atlantic. Um, I I see Lyle understanding the game a little bit better. Um, I see Jay Sean Tate trying to add things to his game. Um... I see some of the recruits, you know, C.J. Jackson is, I think, an upgrade from what they had last year, and A.J. Harris is the freshman backup point guard. Um, I think Kade Bates-Diop can, can be a real stud if he stays healthy. Um, he seems to be more aggressive. He played well in his 20 minutes against Florida Atlantic. Um, so if they're getting Kade Bates-Diop back, they're getting their full squad back. Guys have actually gotten better. I see still room for this team to get better, even off a catastrophic loss to Florida Atlantic. Um 
I'm not trying to spin anything. I think you're well within your rights to be upset, to be concerned. That's a terrible loss. There's no other way to spin it than it being a terrible loss. I think it's possible, and maybe kind of likely, that that's not a season-defining loss, and we could look back a couple months from now and just think, like, man, how did they lose the Florida Atlantic? Look what they're doing now. Um, I think the Big Ten is down a little bit, a little bit. Um, I think Ohio State can find itself in the top end of the Big Ten this season. Maybe not win the Big Ten, but in the top the top end of it. Um, I think they're a balanced team. There's no superstar. I don't know if you need a superstar. Maybe you do. But um, the stat modest best teams have had at least one guy you could point to and say, that's the guy. That's the guy you run things through, and they don't really have that right now. They're still searching for it. Um, but I think you can survive in college basketball being a balanced team. Look at Virginia. Um, Virginia had Malcolm Brogdon last year, who's very good. But um, I think that's a that's a balanced team. And, and kind of like in a weird way, the benchmark that Ohio State should be striving to, to meet is, is playing the way Virginia does. Balanced team, you don't know who's going to be the scorer every night, but you always play good defense, and that leads to wins. Um, even if sometimes those wins are ugly, a win's a win in college basketball. And, and Virginia, more often than not, wins and does not lose the teams it's supposed to beat. Um, so I thought it was interesting to me, for me to think about that a little bit when Ohio State was playing at Virginia, that like that was a pretty good benchmark for Ohio State to, to strive for. Um, but I don't think that this is this is season-defining. Well, I mean, we'll see. They play UConn on Saturday. They play number two UCLA next weekend uh, in Las Vegas in the final of the three-year CBS Sports Classic that they've been playing in the last few years with uh, UCLA, Kentucky, and North Carolina. Um, Ohio State has been weird this year. They have played up and down to the competition, as I said earlier. I would not be surprised if Ohio State came out and beat UConn, which is a little down this year. I think beating UConn is sort of on the level of beating Providence earlier this season. It's not the best win, but it's a, it's a nice win. It's a top 100 team. Um, and I don't think beating UCLA is on the table. UCLA is, is suddenly the number two team in the country and, and playing really well, and that offense is incredible. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch UCLA yet this season, but if you can, before they play Ohio State, check them out because they're a fun team to watch. Um, and I like envision that game maybe being a little bit of a track meet. I don't know if Ohio State can keep up. But if Ohio State came out and beat UConn and Ohio State came out and was competitive with UCLA and then you're left scratching your head like, how the hell do they lose to Florida Atlantic if they're doing this? I think that's on the table. And that doesn't make it losing to Florida Atlantic any better. It probably makes it more confusing. Um, but I think it'll be a, a sign of, of Ohio State still having talent, of still having a team that, that's able to contend for the Big Ten and, and get to the NCAA tournament. And if it's not, and if I'm wrong, and this Florida Atlantic loss was not a fluke, not a blip on the radar, and this is the the, the true nature of the team. You know, I asked um, I asked Jay Shantane on Tuesday night, you're like, what what is a more accurate representation of Ohio State? Is it how you played at Virginia, or is it how you played against Florida Atlantic? And he didn't really answer it. Um, he just kind of harped on the the lack of focus. And if they think it's a lack of focus and not a lack of talent and something more tangible, um, I, I think that's something you can write. And if it's not something they can write, then it's on the coaching staff and you have to do some hard evaluation of whether or not the right people are running the team. But uh, it's December. Ohio State's not going to fire its basketball coach in December. It's not going to fire their, its basketball coach uh, at any point this season. It's going to allow Fatimata to get this right. And if he doesn't get it right, then you ask tough questions at the end of the year. Um, but this is an interesting point, and this is this is kind of a turning point for Ohio State basketball. Where it goes from here, I think, it is huge, and in, in the uh, huge for the future of the program and 
certainly the future um, as it pertains to the rest of this season. So that's it for the questions. Uh, I hope I didn't ramble too much. Um, I just thought this was a really interesting time, and, and I wanted to try to get the pulse of, of the fan base and see where you guys were um, in regards to this team. Uh, I appreciate the questions. Um, I will do my best to analyze this and, and give you guys all the best information possible as we try to figure out what's going on with the program. Uh, I'm not going to be the guy who's who's banging my fist on the table saying, fire Thad Mata. Uh, number one, I'm not a columnist. I'm a, I'm a beat writer, and that's not really my job. Um, but we, we set the stage this year, and if you didn't read this, I, I implore you to go back and read it from the beginning of the season. Um, Doug LaMaurice, our columnist, wrote, wrote a column um, saying that Thad Mata needs to show something is different this year. Needs to show that, that last year is not a trend, that the program is moving in the right direction. Uh, it seemed like it was. Florida Atlantic was a step back. There's no other way around that. But if it was only a step back and the team moves forward from here, I think it's okay. If it was a step back and things continue to move backwards, I think it's obvious that something needs to change. Things need to be evaluated. Um, so that's what we're going to do covering this team. We're going to evaluate it and, and how Ohio State's playing and, and, and what this season tells us about the future. Um, so I hope that's okay. I hope that's not frustrating. I hope that's interesting to you guys. Um, and, and please uh, send me questions, like I said, on, on Twitter, uh, BillLandis25. You can email me uh, at blandis at cleveland.com. Um, once football is over with, Ohio State is in the college football playoff right now, we will dig even more into basketball, but we're going to continue to monitor basketball while football is still going on because, like I said, this is an interesting time. Um, so I thank you guys for listening. Uh, this was Buckeye Talk, our Ohio State podcast. Uh, find it on iTunes. Please subscribe. Send us emails. Send us tweets. Let us know how we can improve it for you. And uh, that'll wrap it up. So thanks for listening to Buckeye Talk. This is Bill Landis of Cleveland.com.